Oh yeah, I like the sound of that, and I know that you're gonna like the sound of it too. This is The Manny Wolf Show, where I pull no punches, I don't hold back in my conversations with some of the most interesting minds on the planet. So, put us in your ear, turn the volume up, and hang on for another episode. And it looks like we are live once again. Welcome back to another episode of The Manny Wolf Show with my friend, my colleague, my peer, and in some ways an inspiration to me, Jonah J. Lanto. Jonah, buddy. My, my man. Thanks How for having me. How are you? Oh, yeah. I, it's Look, in spite of these crazy times, I'm, I'm pretty awesome. And I have a lot of empathy for everything that's happened to everybody and what yeah. they've lost. But uh, I'm going to come out the other side of this ahead and and – that's that's just me. So I'm I'm living the dream. I got some family time here these last few weeks. I got a lot of shit done at my house and in my yard, and now it's 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 onward and upward. Let's go right from there then, because I love that man. I love that. And uh, first of all, I reject the black and white binary notion that that if you're positive, it means something bad about the people that are suffering. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like right, like right. It, it's such a bizarre function of social media that that people can immediately reduce to this like binary soundbite argument, these hugely complex issues. You know what I mean? Uh, a friend of mine, uh, I used to live in a town called Santa Rosa, California, and I have a friend down there named Chris, who is one of the the true badasses, you know, there's like, as men, we all learn to posture and we learn how to act tough. He's sure. one of the guys that you really, really, really don't ever want to be on the wrong side of a disagreement with. Right. And, and I know I a few of those. Yeah. And it's, you know, they're they're for every one of those, there are about a hundred imposters, right? About a hundred that are acting that way. But that anyway, they're I saw him post, there. Yeah, I saw him post something. This was a couple of years ago where he said words to the effect of a lot of you guys on social media like to pop off. And um, uh, how did he put it? He goes, basically, he said, I don't think any of you would have the have the balls you have if you were standing face to face with me. (laughs) (laughs) And I I think that that's a really sort of a. uh, an emblematic sort of, you know, thing about social media, right? It's like, we can all just, I don't know what we're doing. It's like, we're busting anger nuts or something. You know? yeah, <laughs> it's, it's like, I don't like the way you, you know, you, you don't agree with me. So instead of being in I, the, room, the least bit civil. <laughs> Manny, what, what social media has given a lot of people is what I like to call recreational outrage. Uh, it's, yeah. it's, it's uh, my, my old partner, yeah. Chris Rubb, and I kind of came up with that. And, and you see it all the time. It's recreational outrage. And if, if you can identify it, then you know when you should quickly move on. And even sometimes the best of us get swept up in that. I, I felt yeah. myself yeah. in the last, for whatever reason, last week, I was feeling particularly aggressive. Mm-hmm. And, and, I, and I caught myself several times almost getting baited into a senseless Facebook argument or just w- willfully wanting to engage in a, in a meme or a post that I, I, I philosophically know I disagree with right away. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you, you got to be able to catch yourself. I don't know what it was, but I, I was feeling aggressive for whatever reason and almost fell into that, that recreational outrage that so many people so easily do. Yeah. I, um, 
And, and, and like you said, it's, it's a weird, it's a weird world, weird world that we live in when you have to, you have to argue with yourself that it's okay to feel good when a lot of other people are feeling bad. It's, it's not yeah. self, it's not selfish to, to recognize, Hey man, this is, this, this isn't so bad for me. And, and, and I get it and I empathize and I feel for people, yeah. but on, a, on an individual level, it's going to, it's going to be okay for me. I mean, I, I, lost, I lost my house in a flood in 2011. My family, we had just bought family of five. We were one year into a nearly $200,000 mortgage and our house was a year later buried under seven feet of water. Yeah. Uh, I was I was displaced for two years. That to me was a far bigger setback than anything I'm going to experience from COVID right now. I'm still paying for that, you know? Yeah, well, and that's, you know, that's that's where I come from too. I have sort of, I feel like I'm, my personal brand is not my backstory anymore. Sure. But, when, but, I, when I met you, it was, and it was a great, yeah. it's an amazing backstory. Yeah. Say, when you met me, it totally was. For, for anyone, for anyone listening to this who hasn't heard a really killer interview with Manny and gotten a little flashback into his life, <laughs> check out yeah. his, his, when he, when I interviewed him back on the good talk, it was a really fantastic conversation conversation and dude has been through some stuff. Yeah. And and I think that that is part of what positions me for this, you know, um, I don't know, man. I mean, it, I was told yesterday my privilege was showing <laughs> and I said, Oh, that's not my privilege. <laughs> uh, I, I, I did, I did put one foot into the waters yesterday with, with someone. Um, and it's like, like you said, I just felt a little saucy and aggressive, but mm -hmm. I don't identify with that anymore. But I also know that like, like I've been through stuff that is so hard, just so damn hard. And, and I love, what did you call it? Recreational outrage? Absolutely. Yeah. I think that that's a real and true and legitimate phenomenon. And I think that by and large, it indicates that, your life doesn't have any real challenges in it. If we, you've got the, the ability, right? If you've got the luxury of sitting around looking for people to be pissed at on social media, that means you're probably not up to your armpits and alligators. No, no. Uh, it's, we are extremely privileged in the United States. Um, a lot of people would argue we've become a relatively soft culture. There's probably some truth to that. I don't know. It's this weird thing when I, I go through the cycle with people who say, well, kids were tougher than, back in the day and I didn't have to wear a helmet and we played outside more. And <laughs> it's just, helmet, yeah. you know, these, every generation <laughs> could say that about the generation before them. Well, you, you just, you know, you've got it so easy these days. And yeah. I, I find it to just to be, a little bit useless to say that, you know, that, 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 how does that inherently help you today to recognize that or to say that about somebody or, right. or, or just to, to, you know, not condone what the modern society is doing because it wasn't what was happening um, in your time. Yeah. Um, I, I especially love the, <clears throat> the bit about the helmet because that's just such a classic, right? Uh, yeah, and you know, I, I lived. Hey, I, hey cars didn't have seatbelts in the fifties. Great, you know, or, uh, or the sixties or seventies. Right, there was a lot yeah. more human. There were a lot more human projectiles back then. Uh, I mean, but pe <laughs> people were tougher. That's the thing that we should take away from this. People were tougher. <laughs> um, uh, so where did I want? <laughs> You're just giving me so much here. Where did I want to go with that? Um, I live geographically in a very, very strange place. 
because I literally did have to walk uphill to school and then uphill back. It was like an Escher painting. Yeah. <laughs> and so I, I'm just so sick of these soft entitled kids today. No, I'm just kidding. Man. Um, I think that it's, it, it's a form of masturbation to even engage in that whole like, oh, my generation was so much tougher than yours. And it's so funny to me that- Let, that let me now, guess, your, your dad can beat up my dad? Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> it's so funny now that the, uh, the millennials will actually be saying that to the generation after them. You know, um, I, I'm, I'm fascinated. You know what? Let's talk a little bit about millennials and, and maybe some of the- the bizarre sort of typecasting they get. Because I'll say this, sure, millennials may come across as entitled and, and all of these things, but I distinctly remember raising my kid to feel that he had a right to ask questions. Mm -hmm. So in a way, isn't it our chickens coming home to roost? It, it, it is indeed, but I'm I'm technically fall into the millennial class. Oh, okay. Just on, just on the outside yeah. of it, I'll be uh, 39 tomorrow. Uh, I think last I checked, they they extend millennials all the way up to 85. Mm -hmm. uh, and 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 it is it, it's bizarre to me because the people I graduated with, uh, the, the 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 men and women in my circle of friends, and even deeper into into that acquaintance level. These people are out there kicking ass. Uh, they have they have yeah. amazing careers. They 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 have I I feel a really strong understanding of of empathy and of the cultural environment and uh, maybe some some forward thinking. A lot of them are business owners, small business owners. They're solopreneurs. Uh, many of them have achieved what I what I would call economic freedom. Even if you're not getting rich, if you're getting by and paying your bills on dollars that you earned, not that. Not not from a paycheck that somebody else is writing for you. Yeah, that's that's, yeah. E that's economic freedom. And yeah. and um, okay, if there, if there's entitlement that comes with that, then then so be it. I'll take yeah. the fucking entitlement because the economic yeah. freedom feels pretty goddamn good. <laughs> that's the sound of it being hit out of the park, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. So that's what I wanted to say. Um, I think that I think that there's a form of entitlement that people of my generation have where they think they can call your different mindset entitlement. Sure. You know what I mean? Sure. Like when I was young, I did not know any 20 something millionaires that were impacting hundreds of thousands of people. Okay. Like now I do. Right? <laughs> like, for, for, for better or worse, right? For, for better not, or worse. These are, these are for better. I, I mean, that's okay. a good point, but I'm specifically talking about for better. I'm talking about, uh, I'm gonna, I'll just name a few people I can think of offhand. There's a kid named Arnie Gisk who started entrepreneur, millennial entrepreneur community, 80,000 person Facebook group, uh, was a digital nomad for two or three years, you know, uh, probably does uh, does really great financially. I don't know if it's kind of tacky to go ahead and drop other people's figures, but <laughs> but like so. And and then when I talk to him, he's very very confident about his abilities that he has learned. Sure. So as a guy who's like fifty something, I could see, although I don't agree with it, how another fifty something might go. Oh, that cocky little punk. But you know what? This this guy. Started with nothing. I, I bet that little shit can't even change the oil on his car. Right, right. <laughs> exactly. Oh, here's, what he, here's what he can do. 
He can pay someone to change the oil on his car every time it needs it. Right. The two mentors whose uh, who's mastermind I'm in, a guy named Mark Lack and a guy named Peter Vu, I'll gladly single those guys out. Both of them <clears throat> have made millions. Neither one is 30 yet. And both of them are impacting positively at least thousands of people, if not tens of thousands of people. I mean, that's significant. You know, and both of these guys have visions. They're not even 30 yet, and they're already, their vision is already about legacy work. So maybe it's not so much that your generation is, you know, lazy, entitled, spoiled. Maybe it's more, there's a, there's a, a sort of a pressure that each generation creates in what I would call the collective consciousness. And the next generation starts at a higher baseline. And I believe that's what I'm seeing. If I'm if I'm being honest with you, like sure. you're a great example. When I was in my 20s, I knew or knew of one guy who had a pirate radio station, which was ridiculous. Yeah, super you know? cool. Like, wow, that guy's a yeah. legend at that point. Seriously. <laughs> yeah. That guy was a legend. Yeah. And, and now... Um, so I'll, I'll give a little reveal here. Me and a, a couple of my my sort of, uh, I'll call them my star coaching students. We formed a partnership to roll out a private school. And in this private school, I'm thinking about curriculum like, let's have kids start a podcast. Let's have kids launch an online business. Let's have, you know what I mean? Yeah. These things. And the reason that I'm thinking like that is because we need to try to be prepared for what these kids are going to find normal. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, well, it's, it's preparing them for jobs that don't exist yet. Yeah. That, and, it, and, and, and they're coming uh, as technology evolves. Yeah. What is it? Uh, well, I, I forget. Is it, is it Murphy's law that, that says that, that technology is going to unequivocally evolve faster than we can keep up with it. I, I may have the law wrong, but there's something well, like that's, that. I think that's what I said it, I, I believe. That's one of that sounds Murphy-ish. Yeah. Well, so there's um there's Moore's law. Moore's law. That's the one. Yeah, and that's that's it's interesting you brought that up, man, because Moore's law is in the DNA of our of the school we're building. Okay. Yeah, the whole thing is we've got to be unapologetically forward-facing, forward-looking, mm -hmm. mm -hmm. right? We've got to empower kids to create their own. So so you agree with Space Force then? I don't know much about Space Force, but let's <laughs> let's go there for fun. <laughs> I, I mean, if 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 we're if we're endorsing uh, preparing people for jobs that don't exist yet, then we have to give we have to give uh, forty five a little credit for Space Force. I don't know uh, that we might need them someday. So Space Force is like the uh, it's the new branch of the armed forces, my friend. It's official. It's real. It's not a joke. It's I, not, I'm not talking about the Steve Carell Netflix show coming out Friday, which looks okay. outstanding, by the way. And I will binge the <laughs> fuck out of that probably yeah. this weekend. No. Space yes, Force. I do. I do believe in Space Force. Then I don't. I didn't know what it was until now. But this is great. See, because um, are we going to become interplanetary? Barring what you might call an act of God, absolutely. Right? Eventually. 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 It, it, yeah. It, and it, it, it seems inevitable. If we don't blow ourselves up first. Right. Exactly. Seriously. If, 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 that's, that's, if, if, we, if we don't discover some new technology that utterly destroys us, um, right. worse, worse than the current ones are already destroying yeah. us, uh, then yeah, sure, we'll get interplanetary mm -hmm. someday. I, I, I buy into that. No problem. Yeah. I mean, it was. 
the fever dream of a madman until Elon Musk came along. Exactly. And now it's the fever dream of a certifiable genius who seems unstoppable. Absolutely. You know yeah. I mean, so, so yeah, space force, but more than that, um, what, what I think instead of complaining that millennials and the generations they're going to produce as offspring are this or that, I think where we need to be focusing our energy is uh, if I'm going to be in retirement and old age, when your kids are sort of starting to come up and run shit, what's the best thing I can do to prepare them? It's a damn good question. Right? And keep, once again, keep, keep them away from infotainment channels. <laughs> Number one. Yeah, keep, number one, keep them away from the 24 seven infotainment channels mm -hmm. that are destroying people's minds. Yeah, no, I agree with you there for sure. But so that's kind of the philosophy, right? Is, is like, if we look at Moore's law, which states that technology will double in speed and power every two years, there it is. Then we can say, we don't have any effing idea what 20 years from now will look like. None. We can't, even if there were no like arbitrary market forces that steered how the technology was developed, right? Because I remember in my lifetime, and I believe it was Ray Kurzweil at this time, if it wasn't him, it was one of the futurists, the great futurists said about 25 years ago that speech to text would never exist. It was just too big a problem. It was too tough sure. to solve. And now we, we got it in $200 phones. Yeah, it's it, 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 it's it's funny to me when I consider some of the greatest we'll we'll call even uh, fiction authors um, yeah, yeah. Of, of our time, the, the people who created Star Trek and Star Wars, right? They, they didn't think of a Google and on all the great, amazing, incredible things. I mean, they 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 were molecular relocating people on a yeah. molecular level with teleportation, mm -hmm. but they basically still needed to radio into a guy at a library to get information. <laughs> you know, <laughs> they didn't have that's so good. <laughs> so even 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 the even our best minds who are yeah. who are coming up yeah. with the, the the fiction of yeah. of our potential futures weren't didn't think of Google and and everything that that we have in the in our pockets now and with a cell phone. That's right. And the truth is that our best minds haven't been born yet. No. You know, no. they haven't been born yet. And again, that's that goes back to that I think to that the way each generation creates an updraft on the on the collective consciousness and raises the baseline for the next generation. Right? I, so I mean I, I hope that's happening. It's it's a, it's a beautiful thought. It's absolutely happening. But, well, um, there's, there's so much of the same terrible shit happening today that that has plagued our culture for so yes. many years. And, yes. and and can we can we can we with actual evidence back up that it's not happening? I look at uh, the, the tragic situation that just occurred within the last 24 hours with the poor black dude in Minneapolis who was just murdered by a cop with a knee on his throat. And that that type of stuff has been happening in our culture for decades. And it doesn't yeah. it only seems to be getting worse. When I, when I grew up watching the Rodney King riots and, and even yeah. as, as a child seeing that, holy crap, this is messed up. Man, I would have thought there's no way that that type of shit is still happening when I'm an adult, especially when people can can record it. And and now we just record it and it's, it's you want to talk about the new normal? Well, that's, that's the fucking new normal. You would have yeah. thought that when we can record murder happening before our very eyes, regardless of who's in, initiating those murders, yeah. Uh, you would have thought we could put a stop to it with 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 all of that. Right. But we haven't, and, and, and yeah. that's, that's one example of of many that 
I feel haven't changed. They've just been swept under the rug or they've been, they've been, they've been given a new mask. You know, we went, we went from slavery to mass incarceration. Uh, and, and, and it's, 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 it's a new, a new mask goes over an old problem. I think that that that's absolutely a, a, uh, a prevalent thread in society. Are you familiar with the work of Steven Pinker? I'm not. So <clears throat> Steven Pinker, among other things, um, well, what's, what's relevant for us here is, and you guys, you can all check out his Ted talk. You guys, uh, let me just actually throw that in the comments. Sure. Um, and that, that's one Steven of the examples I, I would look at the drug war as another example, uh, as, as, as a disastrous effect on our, on our, on our culture. If you would have told me, uh, when I was 16, my, the first massive research paper I ever did in my life was on, mm -hmm. on what I felt was the uh, unjustifiable scheduling of marijuana. I felt marijuana should be legal even in, as a teenager. Now, yeah. of course, it is in a handful of Hey, Manny here. I wanted to talk to you a little bit about the importance of growing your own personal brand and your own audience. In this day and age, if you do business on social media or on the internet in general, you need to be focused on your personal brand. And your personal brand is a function of what people say, think, and feel about you behind your back. And that's where we can come in and help you tremendously. So I'd like to invite you to go over to my website, mannywolf.com, where you can either schedule a call with me or my team, or you can learn about the ways that we can help you to grow your audience powerfully and quickly. In this day and age, content is absolutely king. And if you don't have a content strategy, you can't expect big results. And what we do is we help you with powerful, powerful content strategies. In short, we can put you everywhere all the time without you doing hardly any work. Sounds kind of cool, right? If you'd like to learn more, head over to mannywolf.com and either book a call or look into one of the ways that we have already prepared to help you rapidly grow your audience, grow your trust, your authority, your personal brand, and of course, through all of those things, grow your business. All right, now back to the show. It's not at the federal level, but if you would have told me when I was 16, that day, Jonah, wait, you're going to be 39. It's still not going to be federally legal. I mean, like, you're fucking crazy. No way. <laughs> people, people are going to get it. If I get it. I, I'm a kid. I get it. Yeah. You, you, you tell me it won't be. And then, then you, you know, as you get older, you understand how that system works and, and why yeah. it is that way and, and who it is benefiting and where the money goes and, and what, what they're using it for. And, yeah. uh, and I hate to say they are what the government is using it for. Cause this isn't a, they, I, I, I try to avoid using that ominous, like, Oh man, they're just, yeah, out the they're they. out I, I do, because in this case, it really just is the federal government. It's the DEA and it's a mm -hmm. control system. Yeah. Uh, it, it, there's, there's money attached to incarceration and, I mean, I've, I've, I've traveled down that path on, on several other shows and stuff, and I'm, I'm assuming plenty of people are familiar with that. I don't want to go too far down that, but there's all these examples of, again, these, these, these different aspects of our culture wearing, wearing a new mask, and they're the same problems that, that aren't, aren't getting that much better. I mean, there, there are headlines with, with articles that are almost the same word for word, but they're happening 40 years apart uh, to mm -hmm. different people. Yeah. So... Those things are true, and it it can be like sort of a, going down a morbid rabbit hole. 
So what I would suggest for anyone who, who wants a different perspective that's very powerful and very, very researched is to check out The Myth of Violence, the TED Talk by Steven Pinker. Um, and to my mind, he I mean, think, you know, we're not we're not perfect. We have not sort of evolved into a utopian society. Uh, but every measurable, every measurable measure of quality of life is higher. Yeah, is higher. Yeah. Uh, violent is crime higher. is down. We're, we're living longer, at least in the United States. And in spite of a shrinking middle class, there are there are fewer people mm -hmm. in poverty. Our healthcare still yeah. sucks, but less people are dying of disease. Mm -hmm. There are there are measurables. There they there really yeah. are. <clears throat> there really are, and that's that's the. That's what you'll see in that talk. And and um, plus, for a guy like you, you should know who Steven Pinker is because he's yeah, I'm, I'm interested. interested. I'm yeah, interested. he's kind of a giant. You'll like him. Okay. Um, <clears throat> so let's uh, let's get into your take on not coronavirus, but our responses to it. Oh man, this it's 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 a weird one. Um, I, so weird. I I I I respect everybody's choice to do what they will. I mm -hmm. I will ultimately. I trust science and preparation and prevention mm -hmm. more than I trust reaction. And, mm -hmm. and I have too many scientists and doctors who I call friend that I respect and admire yeah. who who yeah. informed me. Uh, is, is what we've done perfect? No, but, uh, Hey, we're, we're leading the country in COVID deaths and, and no, I don't believe that, uh, for not, not for a second that we lead the world in, in COVID related deaths because we are misusing COVID as lying about people that have died. Has there been pressure? Yes. Fact check for sure. Hospitals, hospitals are getting more money because people died from COVID there. And so they're incentivized, perhaps incentivized. I'm using air quotes to, to place a COVID label um, on that individual, but if they were there because of the COVID and that hospital is having more pressure because of the COVID and they do have more patients and so on and so forth, well, then they need them. They need more money. They, 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 yeah. they are the ones who need more money. Um, so I, I, I respect people's position who want to stay safe from, from this virus. Uh, I, I don't view this as a massive form of control. I find the Bill Gates 5G conspiracy to be utterly nonsensical. Mm -hmm. and, and should you wear a mask? Yeah. Do I wear a mask? No. I live in North Central North Dakota in Ward County. You, know, you call me selfish, call me naive, call me what you will, but it's different here. It's way yeah. different where I'm at than if I'm in New York or Atlanta or right. Seattle. And, and so how I, how I am approaching the situation should not be how somebody in Los Angeles County or, right. or some other population center is, is approaching the situation. When we, my family, we sheltered in place for over a month, didn't leave our house. Mm -hmm. uh, we, we had food brought to us, did, did everything that we felt was proper to be safe. Uh, our governor here in North Dakota, Doug Burgum, has done an outstanding job uh, managing it within our state and using a data-driven approach. Yeah, and 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 that's that's what I appreciate. So uh, from from the top down, I, I I think our country was maybe a a little slow to respond in some regards, yeah. and, and I think there's a lot of uh, a lot of lot of confusion in in certain leadership positions uh, with within our yeah. country. I don't want to make that a direct attack. Also, studies have shown that 
many populist or sort of conservative driven countries have fared the worst on a global scale in terms of their approach to the COVID places like uh, Russia, the United States, Brazil are a few examples. Um, so that in, in, in a very large package, or I guess some of my yeah. thoughts in, in, in how our country has handled this, it, it, it final, final thought, mm -hmm. um, the great, again, air quotes, the greatest economy in the world should not be brought to its knees because people couldn't work for six fucking weeks. We, yeah. we're, to we're told by big business people and billionaires and, and, and know-it-alls on Wall Street that everybody should have three months of savings in their, in their bill. That everyone should have three months of savings to pay their bills. You should have three right. months stocked up. Right. These bitches didn't. You got, right. you got, you got, literally, you have cruise lines that yeah. posted a decade straight of profits Right. Decades straight of profits, right. and and you motherfuckers can't handle two three months with nobody buying tickets. That's <laughs> right. a bigger fucking problem here. Yeah, and that's just one example of many. Yeah. I feel for the small businesses, but for yeah. for large big businesses, and just for the for the country as a whole, you tell me you can't handle that. And and then and then in our country, we're the only country in which people have to fear medical bankruptcy if they get a disease. And, and to me, to me, another massive failure. And I, I won't blame that at the feet of this administration. That's our government as a whole. Yeah, uh, yeah that that's institutionalized at this point. Right? Absolutely. Absolutely. So you bring up a lot of a lot of sort of um, blood close to the skin points in this. You know, what I'm most curious about is what I've just seen from you, I would call reasoned impassioned, thoughtful, and opinionated. And here's the thing. Those things are not just good. Those things are essential. So I guess my question I'd like to get your insight on is why can't we do that as a community? Why can't we do that as a population? You know, um, on something so important, why is it that if I don't believe that I, I need to wear a mask, that I'm conflated with somebody who, who wants to kill people and wants to see people die? And that's that's just one example, but I'm sure that you take my point, right? Absolutely. I, I completely take your point. Where did the nuance and the subtlety in the discussion go? Out the fucking window. <laughs> Because you're because you're listening to a tweeting madman, or you're getting sucked into some conspiracy hole, or you're watching too much infotainment, and that's uh, the whole the whole breadth and scale of it. I think it's because every everybody wants to to be right, and and my right is more right than your right. Yeah, if that makes any sense, it's a lot there, but it, it it's. I, it, I'm not afraid to be wrong. I'm not afraid mm -hmm. to, to be presented with new information mm -hmm. and, and have my, my mindset uh, altered in terms of, I, I'm willing to adjust my mindset. To accommodate to, facts? To, to accommodate facts <laughs> and new information. <laughs> yeah. And, and uh, unfortunately, on, on, a, on a really on a neurological scale, our minds are designed to oftentimes resist information that, 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 yeah, uh, that does not fit in line with our ideology, and that's right. not a conspiracy theory. They've they, they've studied this on a neurological level. Your yeah. mind perceives that information as a threat. You yeah. have to you have to willfully. 
be able to change that. How, mm -hmm. how, how did I get there? I don't know. A lot of self-reflection, yeah. uh, you know, en enough LSD that I, I, I got awakened at some point in my life uh, from, <laughs> from experiencing these, these sacred psychedelic journeys, uh, whatever the case may be. I, I mean, my... A lot of guys like Rogan would say, hey, everybody do a heroic dose of mushrooms. This world would be a better place. I Sometimes I, I'm inclined to agree. Do I think mushrooms are for everybody? No. But we are on the verge of a psychedelic renaissance in medicine, and people will be able to study these medicines again. And we, we are seeing how it changes the negative points in our life and how it heals the traumatic things that we've had happen to our brain. I, I, that's how I got there. Yeah. I, I'm not saying it, it works for everybody. Well, that's how I got there too, I think, or at least a big part of it. Right. I would, contributed. I would say this. I don't know that mushrooms are for everybody, but I think everybody should take mushrooms. Right. A heroic dose. Absolutely. Um, I, yeah, that, that's, I, I look back at that time in my life and it was, it was funny. One of my best friends uh, quoted, I'm going to quote him here. Said psychedelics are the only drug that quits you when it's good and ready. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah. Everything else you have to, you know, you get an addiction, you fight it, you kick it, you quit it. Psychedelics are like, yo, man, I'm done with you. Right. But before they were done with me, we had uh, me and the same tight knit group of friends had probably about a three year period where it was it was heroic doses every weekend, literally without fail. We didn't miss a weekend for about three, three and a half years. And it was a profound, profound, it was so profound a transformation in my, in the way I related to my own thoughts and to the world that I'm still discovering all these years later. This happened when I was in my late teens. All these years later, I'm still seeing ways that it actually uh, had huge positive effects on me. Of course, so I, of course it did. Yeah. And, and pe people fear those because we, we are, we are operating mainly with our ego as the pilot in our mind. Yeah. You yeah. know, if, if you've got a couple pilots in your mind, the ego, the ego is, is the one that is the strongest. He's the toughest or she is the toughest. They have the most control and they drive like a fucking asshole. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Road raging all over the place, you know? <laughs> and, and so it, it, to to be able to experience life in the absence of ego is is very terrifying. It's very fearful. Um, sometimes when people take their first hit of cannabis or first couple of hits of cannabis, mm -hmm. they might get a, a slight feeling of that. Right? You, you really get it through 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 psychedelic exploration. Yeah. Uh, but but people oftentimes they, they they just don't want that. It is way too scary to, to, to be it to have to internalize and be faced with your own thoughts and feelings or these discomforts that you have. Yeah. I think that, um, I think that probably contributes to more of what we would call bad trips than unexpected hallucinations do. Sure. <clears throat> Although I do remember, um, that same friend I just quoted, he brought his girlfriend at the time with us on one of our trips and, and she she went around the bend just because she was seeing vis, vis, visual hallucinations. Sure. And, and we're trying to go, no, 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 we get it. Yeah, no, it's melting. I know. It, yeah, it's it's cool. I'm not tricking you. This is and awesome. I, and, and I and I would contest there are no bad trips, only some that are really difficult that perhaps you should not have gone on. Yeah, no, <laughs> I, I, would, I, I like that. I would agree it, with it. That. Is. It is. There are no bad trips. Some are just really fucking difficult. And that's <laughs> usually because you probably didn't prepare for it. There's a reason yeah. it's called the trip. It takes preparation. Oh, nice, man. 
That does sound sagey. <laughs> <laughs> and I and I, I I learned that right. I learned I I would not have I wouldn't have had that wisdom eighteen years ago. It was just yeah. hey, this yeah. this is fun and cool. But then you get to that backside where the work gets mm-hmm. done, where things really get internalized. Yeah. Um. Yeah. And and it helps. Look, it it, it just helps. And, and the work being done in our country right now, again, we're starting to see it. Uh, for people listening, just know you, if you this is your first time hearing about psychedelic research as related to medicine for the mind, uh, you can check it out. There's a ton of articles to support what they've what they've done. I'm not talking about you know some crackpot scientist just feeding people LSD in a fucking dorm room. Uh, legitimate right. neurological research being conducted um, with guidelines, uh, with with, yeah. with cameras, with with people who have volunteered and are not being tricked into this, uh, and, and it's pretty amazing work. And it, I, I really. Look forward to seeing the benefits for uh, for humanity, for the benefits for understanding psychedelic medicine, and for the healing of people's minds that we're going to see this decade, thanks to psychedelic research. Nice in, in conjunction in conjunction with neuroscience. Um. So. Let's see. Where do we want to go from here, Jonah? Right. <laughs> so many, so Let's many see. things opened up. Where's the landing us. point there? Yeah, right. Um, I want to find out a little bit about your approach that allowed you to, in a three-year time frame, go from starting, like, I mean, basically another basement podcast, to what was the, what was, where are you at now? Uh, so I, I'm in a studio in, in the, the city in which I live. It's a shared office space, which, which makes it affordable, which is why I can have a studio. But it's 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 pretty nice. I got a big, awesome space here. But it's it, it, three years to the very day that I started a podcast, creating a basement studio with my friend Chris Rubb. Um, uh, it was uh, I think it was Saturday, November seventeenth. Three years to the very day. I, I went on and I produced a late night talk show with a sold out live audience in my hometown, filmed in front of that live studio audience and then syndicated on the Internet, as well as our um, regional cable access channel. Super proud of, of that achievement. It was a and really, how, how did I get there? By remaining open to ideas, um, networking, meeting, meeting people and, and, and saying yes more than I say no. Um, and that, that's, that's really all what got me there. How, doing, doing a late night talk show was not my idea, but it was someone else's. And they brought it to me because they felt I could operationalize their idea. And, um, and I did. So I became executive producer of it's Goodnight Minot. We, we, before COVID took over, we, we produced three sold out late night shows. Uh, and, and my not where I live, we we were undeniably the talk of the town. It was hard as shit to get tickets. People loved it. Roaring crowds, great social hour, red carpet experience. I mean, really everything that you get with a late night talk show, we delivered on a regional hometown level. Our comedy was centered around the beads within our state that people are familiar with. We came up with some amazing desk bits and and some of our own ideas. We, we, we uh, and, it, and it popped and we look forward to getting back to it. That's awesome, man. Um, in terms of your audience growth and, and raising awareness, you gave some generalizations about staying open, saying yes more than you say no, sure. and things like that. Anything on a more tactical, practical level that you think has really yes. helped you? Um, certainly. We uh, roughly, 
So I've, I started the podcast in November of 16. In April of 2017, I was having coffee in a coffee shop with my friend Justin Martin. He's a tattoo artist. We were talking about some cool ideas for some podcasts and some shows. A man by the name of Josh Wolski would come into my life and really forever change my life. He's a regional uh, journalist, went on to become a city councilman and everything like that. Uh, he had overheard my conversation, small coffee shop. You can't miss, you know, you, you hear what's going on. And he just hit me up with a message. He had, he, he said, Hey man, I heard you talking about your podcast. I checked it out. Uh, I, I love it that you love the big Lebowski. I'm a big fan too. I've got a cool idea for you. Do you want to have a beer or a coffee? I said, I'll take, I'll take, I, I said, number one, I love ideas. Number two, let's have a beer. Yeah. And I met, I literally met Josh the next day and he pitched me on the idea. He said, what, what are your thoughts on doing a locally focused podcast? Mm -hmm. I was like, yeah, man, I, I, it's what, who, who do you have access to? I said, yes, I'm interested. I don't know that I know enough local people who are doing things that, that quote unquote matter that creates a conversation. So Josh and I uh, joined forces and he just had um, access to or, or just knew a completely different social group than, than, than who I knew. It opened a lot of doors. We started Good Talk My Not underneath the Good Talk Network banner. And so it's the good, the good talk network is my brand. The idea was always there would be these subsidiary shows that we could produce so that if somebody else wanted their own podcast or wanted their own show, I would willingly assist in helping to produce that. And in the case of good talk, my not, we began that show and, and it really allowed us to shine a light on a, on a lot of great local people from, from nonprofit executive directors. We really became a, a, a champion voice in our community for the nonprofit sector and helping to get their word out there and, and really what it is they do and some of the challenges they face and um, uh, as well as a lot of just local people of influence. I mean, it was just, it was so bizarre, Manny, when I've got, I've got the president of our local university, I've got the mayor, mm -hmm. I've got sheriffs walking into my house, past my yipping <laughs> ass dogs, downstairs, into my basement, past my goddamn laundry and into my basement yeah. studio. You know, I, I've okay. got people who spend a lot of time in, in what you might call important rooms. Right. Walk, walking into my basement to be on my show. It was fucking nuts, yeah. man. That's so and, cool. And so building the, the, the local recognition was, mm -hmm. was one of the most key moves that I made. And, and really, it wouldn't have been possible without Mr. Josh Walski. So shout out to you, Josh, uh, if you ever get a chance to hear this or you're out there listening. Love you, man. Thank you. I love that. So so whether it was strategy or happenstance, you're you're – approach became really to lock in your local territory. Absolutely. Uh, it's absolutely. Interesting. I, don't, I don't know that anyone else is thinking like that or not that I'm aware of anyway. Right? Manny, they, they probably are. I haven't heard of them, but it is, it is what has made me a star in my area. And, 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 I, and, I, and I say that very humble. I'm very honored to be where I am. It, it's been, it's yeah. been tough this year, especially man with, with the, the, the sold out late night shows and the, the good talk, the Good Talk rocket ship was about to blast off and, and COVID slowed that down. And I could be pissing and moaning about it and I could be mopey. I mean, I, I lost thousands and thousands of dollars in, in business by not being able to do live shows. We had commercial shoots set up at, through the studio. I mean, uh, I lost plenty. There was plenty on the table for me. Yeah. Um, but it's you, you persevere. You move on. Uh, and, yeah. and But yeah, it, 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 it really was pioneering on a local level um, this show and in this region and becoming synonymous with podcasting in this territory is my name. 
I, I just think that's a really cool um, uh, twist. And I'm pretty sure it's a twist. You know, like you, I know a lot of podcasters. Sure. Right. And, and the idea of podcasting is for almost everyone, global audience. Absolutely. So are you guys opening back up out there? Yeah, North, North Dakota is getting pretty well open. Mm -hmm. We have some North Dakota Start Smart guidelines and there's some different things happening, mm -hmm. but it looks like we'll get back to some some live events starting in July and later into the year. So yeah, we're really, really the, the, the really tough area in North Dakota is our population center, which is a city of Fargo. Uh, that's more than four hours away from where we live up mm -hmm. in North Central North Dakota in the city of Minot. Okay, speaking of that, um, I have a friend who's very plugged into the uh, nonprofit world in Fargo. I think an introduction needs to be made. Just Don't tell me it's Patrick Kirby. Oh, I won't tell you, but it is Patrick. Is it, it really? Is yeah, yeah. You're Patrick kidding. Is, Patrick is my guy. No shit. No shit. Patrick what is small. My what guy. a weird small. He's been on the show. Oh, good. Well, Patrick, Patrick is, yeah, Patrick has been a guest on the Good Talk. He, yeah, as he should be. Yeah, he's as uh, he should be. He's pretty close with with uh, another longtime supporter of, of the Good Talk Network, Mr. Scott Burlingame. Scott Burlingame is the executive director of Independence, Inc. They do a lot for uh, folks with disabilities. And so that's how I came to meet Patrick. Yeah, it's, it's, it's cool. I feel like you that's, and me are a, that's some real small world shit. Yeah, that really is. is. You, and me are, you and me are name dropping like hip, hip hop stars in the <laughs> 90s right now. I like it. Um, so... Do you do you have a strategy and a plan moving forward to take it bigger than than your region? Because you've done some things here that I think a, a lot of people in the podcasting space would really aspire to. Right. It's it's it's. And you're the guy doing it. So you're in it day in and day out. And I get a sense that on some level, you know, it's not a small deal. But from an outside perspective, I'll tell you what you created is not a small deal. Right. It's a big deal. You've done a big thing. Thanks, man. You took something from nothing, man. You know, <laughs> you're giving me goosebumps, Manny. I really appreciate that. Yeah, I'm, I'm no, very good, humbled brother. and honored by by that compliment. Good. So, uh, any idea for moving forward, how to make it bigger, or do you just saturate and just become in the DNA of your local environment, or like, what's the there, what's there's, the dream? there there's there certainly is is a vision, and before before we moved out of the basement. Uh, I, I got together a group of really intelligent people, just uh, people, most of them with, with far more knowledge, bigger brain than, than I have. And we did a really massive whiteboard session. Uh, I think there was about a half a dozen of us. And, and if, if we, we said, what, what, is, what would the end game goal be of the Good Talk Network? And we right. worked our way backward from there. So the, the, end, the end game goal, the, the, the dream goal would yeah. be if we had a, a 24 hour studio that was producing content, not like 24 seven infotainment, but I mean, I've gone on just not only with the podcast, but we've, we've produced a lot of sketch comedy and a lot of skits that, that have had some pretty great success. Mm -hmm. And then now we've got the, the local, we've got the regional talk show. I produce a few other podcasts, uh, Ed heads and, um, after the first glass, of course, the, the Ed Heads uh, co-host will be with Manny on Friday. Look out for them, Dr. Dan Kahn and Chelsea Holtz. They, they, again, they do, do a show on the Good Talk uh, called The Ed Heads. They're, they're, they're fabulous people. Um, but the, 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 the dream was if we had a double studio mm -hmm. and we're, 
we're consistently producing very regular content because right now it's 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 hard and a lot of people you're you're, you're bending time and and you're working on a very low budget uh, with with all of this just to try to make it happen. So that was the goal, and we just step by step by step by step by step worked it all the way back, literally to the basement, to the basement where I where I'm the one man show doing the job of like four people at once. At that point in time, like I, I was, you know, I was running the sound, I was running the show as host, I was running the camera, I'm doing the producing, um, and that, that and that's what we did, and step by step. And so, um, it was maybe six months or so after that um, that 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 session that that we opened the doors to the Good Talk Studio, um, and it was about ooh, good talk studio opened in april so what's that april may june july august september october so about about seven eight months after we opened the doors to the studio we produced our first live show and sold that out and and really the 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 vision is to produce great content that matters to people remain yeah. open to ideas and and hopefully we we'd love to take right now all all Talk shows, people think East Coast, West Coast. What's what's the talk show of the Midwest, Manny? That's true. What is it? That's there there isn't one. It's gotta be the good talk network. <laughs> there, there, right. There isn't one. So that that's that's the end game. I I, I we want the, the good talk brand and, and good night live, which is our, our our late night show. We want to be known as the Midwest talk show. Love it. That's the end game. And, and, and you know what? If we don't get all the way there we're going to get pretty fucking far and it's going to be awesome. Yeah. I wish you the best of luck with that, man. I think that, um, I think it's just a simple matter of, you know, keeping pushing, keeping pushing it out just a little bit at a time. I mean, what yeah. you've done in three years is, is pretty significant. So um, thank you so much, Jonah. I knew it would yeah, be man. great to catch up with you. You did not disappoint, not in the slightest. Uh, if people want to connect with you, what's the best way? Pretty simple. Facebook.com forward slash the Good Talk Network. You can also find our podcast wherever podcasts can be found. Again, the Good Talk Network, Jonah Lanto. And and I know we discussed a, a, a little bit that that we I, I speak with a lot of local people. That doesn't mean the conversations we have are not uh, nationally relevant. Yeah. Uh, it, it just depends on the guest. People often say, "Well, what's your podcast about?" And it's really a, it's about the guest. Depends mm -hmm. on what the guest is bringing to the table. So it could be it could be anything from from psychedelics to addiction to yeah. you know racism to education or or just a very successful business story about an entrepreneur who found their way. Love it, man. Appreciate you, Manny. Great show. I loved being on. It's it's too rare that I'm I'm sitting on this side of the podcast. The I, I one know, yeah. ask the questions, so it, it it's a cool relief. I appreciate you having me. Absolutely, man. It was great to have you. Um, you and I will be in contact more, but for now, we got to sign off. Later. Later. Thanks for tuning into this episode of the Manny Wolf Show. If you know someone that you'd love to have me interview, please go to my website at mannywolf.com. That's M-A-N-N-Y-W-O-L-F-E.com and submit them as a potential guest. We love to bring guests on that our audience wants to hear from. So please help us to find the best guests for you by going to mannywolf.com submitting anyone that you have in mind to be a great guest, including yourself. And if you'd like to know more about me and what I do, 
please come over to Facebook and join my group, simply called The Manny Wolf Group. If you'd like to get more into my world where we have all kinds of tips, trainings, valuable stuff for you to help you get better at growing your brand and your audience, please come and join The Manny Wolf Group on Facebook. Until our next episode, I'll see you.